0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Fin Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony John Deletti, and here we are celebrating another victory Monday for the Miami Dolphins, improving their record to 8-4 on the season. Now, this win was by no means a pretty win, and I really don't even mean play-wise. I just mean with all the penalties and the fights committed Um, I'm going to get more into that later on in the video. I want to get out, you know, my overall thoughts of the game offensively, defensively, and on the special teams. I just want to get that out of the way before we get into the fight and all the ejections that happened in this game, because I feel like that's really the biggest takeaway. uh, This game was way more entertaining um, and way more dramatic than it needed to be. Uh, And that way more dramatic than most people probably believed it to be before before kickoff. So without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, Kind of overarching special teams defense and offense. There were eight penalties committed by the Dolphins in this game. Uh, That is, to my knowledge, the most penalties committed this year by the Miami Dolphins in a single game. Uh, We're averaging about four and a half penalties a game, which if you don't know is very, very good. Um, So I always like to say in life, not just in football, but if something happens only once, if it's not, you know, a common theme, then it's most likely just a fluke. And I think that's really what this game was. This game was ugly as far as I don't know why everyone was just on edge the whole entire game. But this, this, this game had a lot of penalties on both sides. Eight on uh, eight on the Dolphins, and you know, I, I don't think it's going to continue moving forward. Brian Flores has shown in his uh, career as a head coach that he stresses not shooting yourself in the foot with penalties. And I expect a lot of that stuff to get corrected and to not happen against the Kansas City Chiefs. So really just overarching all three units. Uh, there are a lot of penalties committed today by the Dolphins, which, uh, as I said, not normal, and I don't expect it to continue. Now let's shift to the defensive side of the football. I start there every single game because every single game it's the storyline. Uh, the defense is just dominant. I believe right now we are at 17.7 points per game allowed, which, uh, given or or I guess barring some miracle where the Pittsburgh Steelers only allow you know Washington to have less than seven points we will most likely once again have the best scoring defense in the NFL. Um, so, you know, this defense, this defense means business. Uh, the biggest thing I think I took away from this game, obviously you could look at the, uh, Xavier Howard interception. Amazing. Unfortunately got ejected, um, which, you know, we'll talk about that later, but Xavier Howard had another interception. Nick Needham, uh, intercepted a batted ball, uh, And obviously, that's what you could talk about. But the thing that impressed me most about this game was the defensive line and our run defense. Now, the run defense in this game allowed 40 yards rushing. Okay, that's the lowest we've had this season. 40 yards rushing is all we allowed. Um, And when you, I'm telling you, when you have Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, and Raekwon Davis in there, man, they're just They were attacking the line of scrimmage today, Uh, not just in the run game, but in the pass game. Kyle Van Noy had a monster day, Uh, three sacks on the day for him, Uh, two sacks for Shaq Lawson. Uh, Actually, Ogba almost had a sack too, which was originally it was ruled a fumble, recovered by Christian Wilkins for a touchdown. But when they went to review it, you could clearly see uh, his arm was going forward, so it got reversed. But the, the defensive line was just all over the Kansas City's uh, offensive line all day. They were all over the quarterback. I don't want to put too much into our ability to get to the quarterback because the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, we saw that with Joe Burrow's injury, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals just don't have a good offensive line. And I don't know how many more games they have to go or how many seasons they have to go with a bad offensive line before they start investing stock in it. But, you know, nonetheless, I'm not going to put too much hype into our D-line in this game as far as attacking the passer because we are going against the Cincinnati Bengals. But it really did impress me in the run game because we've even seen against teams like the Jets, teams like the Jaguars, you know, teams that don't really have a great running game are still able to run on the Dolphins. And in this game, we just we said you're not running the football. You can break out, I think, the longest run of the game. Um, the longest run of the game for Cincinnati was 10 yards uh, by Giovanni Bernard. Uh, and he only finished the day—he finished the day 12 attempts, 30 yards. And then P. Ryan and Allen—Brandon uh, Allen had two, uh, two rushes for three yards. And then P. Ryan, three rushes for seven yards. Um, this game was—man— this game defensively was just, it, it was super impressive. Uh, obviously, we gave up the touchdown, unfortunately. I feel like every single week I, I try to find things to talk about this defense. And it's like, oh, man, we gave up a touchdown. And really, really, we didn't even need to give up that touchdown. If you go back, um, if you didn't watch the game, or maybe you didn't understand how it worked, uh, Bryron Jones just made a bad play on the football. He cut it in when he was supposed to go out. He does that, no touchdown on that play. Maybe a five, six-yard gain. But, (laughs) I mean, if that's the worst thing that happens is that there's a simple error. Yeah, it gives up seven points, but that's all you give up all game. I'll live with it. Hopefully it gets corrected. I think it will. Byron Jones is a smart player, smart guy. Um, Obviously, you're paying him a lot of money, so you don't want him to be making those mistakes. But at the same time, that's really all I have to talk about the defense. We were just dominant All over the ball. Nick Needham. I didn't even talk about Nick Needham. I talked about that interception he had. But the dude is just showing that he and I don't know if it's him, you know, his willingness to improve his his drive for the game or if it's the coaching staff and their ability to coach him up. But I feel like every single week Nick Needham just gives you one or two plays where it's like, man, that guy is getting better every single week. Against the Chargers, it was a couple breakups against Keenan Allen. In this game, it was the pass. I forget when it was. It was early on in the game where they throw a deep crossing route and Nick Needham just jumps in front of it and bats it down. Uh, He's really just, just, in, in my opinion, he is the definition of the coaching staff and what makes them so great. He is the prime example because you're seeing a player who at first when he came into the NFL and played for the Dolphins, um, he was no good, I guess is a simp- the, the, the kind way to say he was not good at all. And as last year went along, we saw him develop more and more. And this season he kind of had a slow start, but basically since, I mean, I want to say since the San Francisco game, just this whole secondary, including people like Nick Needham have just been clamps. Every single down, every single play. Um, And and it's really impressive to see guys like that, like Nick Needham, who learned this in the game, was originally going to be taken by the Bengals, ended up going undrafted and taken by the Dolphins. I'm sure he's really happy about that. I know he didn't get drafted, and he can't say I was drafted in the NFL, but I'm sure he's very happy that he wasn't drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm sure happy as a Dolphins fan that he's on our team, helping us uh, win, making plays for us. Now, let's shift our attention to the offensive side of the football. Um, Offensively, in the first half, not going to lie, it was super, super frustrating. Um, I don't know. Maybe we learned after the second half of this game. Maybe we learned after the Arizona game. You got a quarterback, fifth overall, who is very good at throwing the football. Maybe you should allow him to throw the football more. Maybe you don't have to run so much. I'm not saying abandon the run game because obviously in the Denver game and last week I talked about, I don't know why we're not running more. But what I'm saying, I guess is how I should phrase it. You have a fifth overall quarterback. You don't need to be so conservative in his play calling. And we saw this in the Arizona game and we saw it in this game in the second half. If you allow Tua to go in shotgun, run a couple of plays, you know, hand it off, draw plays. But if you give him, you know, the ability to throw the football, if you call plays for him with an empty backfield, which they don't call for him a lot, but they called more in this game, he makes plays happen. And I think that while you want to be conservative, you don't want to put Tua at harm's way, you want to make sure you set up the running game. You also can't be too conservative and not allow Tua to do what made him so good in the first place, which is throw the football accurately and distribute it and have a knowledge for the game. And I think that as the season progresses, as Chan Gailey learns more about Tua's strengths and weaknesses, they're going to allow him to run more plays in this offense similar to how Fitz does. And obviously I talked about throughout the week how I expect Tua to not know as many plays because he's only been in this offense for seven months. But I think that once he learns more and more plays, we really just need to kind of take the training wheels off and allow him, you know, if need be, to go empty backfield on a first and 10 instead of every first down running the ball or every time you throw the football, it has to be on a bootleg or a screen pass. Like Tua is a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. And we saw that in the second half credit to credit, excuse me, credit to Chan Gailey, Brian Flores in his post game press conference said the idea to go no huddle and spread the football around more was actually Chan Gailey said that at halftime. He said, Hey, look, I think we should go no huddle. I think it's good for Tua. I think we should, you know, throw the football more, allow him to kind of get a rhythm And to to Chan's credit, it worked. And they did it. And funny story, actually, before I get into the rest of the offense, their drive was so successful that... uh, (laughs) So after the first half ended, I set a timer. I told Siri, I was like, hey, set a timer for uh, 15 minutes. And I was helping uh, my family put up some Christmas decorations outside. They needed me to hold the ladder. And my timer went off and I walked inside... And I don't know if maybe halftime is shorter. I thought it was 15 minutes, but I walk inside, turn on my TV and it's first and goal for the Dolphins at the five yard line. So I missed that whole opening drive. I had to go back and rewatch it. Uh, And it was just a thing of beauty. They came back. They, you know, I don't know what Brian Flores said to them at halftime, but it worked and they let Tua operate. They let Tua slice and dice this defense. And it was working. Mike Kosicki had a great day. Devontae Parker had a great game. Miles Gaskin, we'll talk about him. Phenomenal game, not just in the running game but the passing game. And we saw this offense start to click. Um, now, red zone efficiency does scare me. We we went one for four in the red zone uh, this game. Um, you know, shout out to Jason Sanders on special teams for just being a dude and being amazing. Uh, but. You know, we can't rely on him as much, especially next week when we're going to play a team like the Chiefs who are averaging, what, 31 points a game. You can't go to the red zone and come out with three points. You can't. It's just not going to work. And I don't think that's uh, something we need to worry about as Dolphin fans. Um, With Tua in there, before he obviously had the thumb injury, we were converting 80% in the red zone. So I don't think that's something that's going to be a long-term issue. I think obviously it's Tua's first game back. They'll get better and better. But definitely something where we need to be more creative in the red zone. We can't just run, you know, run two draws or two, you know, halfback dives and then throw a fade to Devontae Parker or Mike Isicki. It's not going to work every time. And so we we just need to get a little more creative. And I think we will. I trust that we will. Because prior to really this week, we, we have been good in the red zone with two in there. Now, last thing with the offense is the running backs. Obviously, Miles Gaskin came back. Good to have him back. Uh, I think they need to put super glue on our running backs gloves because for some reason we just can't hold on to the football. Miles Gaskin fumbled it against the Rams. He fumbled it this game. Last week we saw Brita and Laird fumble it. They, they need to secure the ball because you're not going to win games turning the football over, um, especially against good teams. Obviously Cincinnati's not a good team, but when you play teams like the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Bills, you can't turn the ball over and expect to win games. So hopefully that's something they correct. But miles Gaskin, man, 12 attempts. Uh, actually, no, it wasn't 12 attempts. Was it? No, miles Gaskin, uh, 21 attempts on the ground, 90 yards, rushing averaged 4.3 yards a carry. Obviously his long run of the day was 26 yards, but it ended in a fumble. So that sucked, but he contributed, um, 141 yards from scrimmage 51 in the passing game, 90 in the, um, run game and we see what happens when you have a running back that is not just able to run the football but catch the football it really does a lot for a young quarterback and I feel like having Miles Gaskin back is going to do a lot for Tua's confidence because it gives you that safety valve of things aren't going well I'm just going to throw it out to the flat to Miles Gaskin maybe throw a little screen pass that play I will say this that play where Miles Gaskin—it was a thirty-five yard pass to from Tua to him. He looked like a wide receiver. He looked like a wide receiver. His ability to cut in, Tua rolls out to the left. He's like nothing's working. Let me cut back upfield. Tua finds him on a beautiful, accurate pass. Miles um, Gaskin is a weapon. I don't think he's a number one running back. I don't think he's a guy that we can u- use as our number one feature running back. But he's definitely a phenomenal weapon for this team to have. And I would expect the Dolphins, if we do address the running back position in the offseason, not if, when we do. I think we definitely will. Um, I don't expect Gaskin to leave. I expect him to be a part of this team because he's a great weapon. Um, And he definitely has good chemistry with Tua. And it's only going to get better and better. This was Gaskin's second game with uh, Tua. Um, He had the Rams game, then got injured. Haven't seen him since. And so, you know, I think the more and more you build that chemistry with Tua, the the further and further this running game can go. But we definitely saw an improvement on the running game. Uh, but again, it's against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But nonetheless, we were able to run the ball effectively in this game uh, and secured the win. Now, finally, let's get into the fight. I feel like that's really the thing everyone wants to talk about. It's the big story, the big headline, the big thing that happened in this game. Because aside from that, it was clearly the Dolphins versus the Bengals. It was the Dolphins playing pretty good football, definitely good on defense, pretty good on the offense, uh, especially in the second half. But it was pretty boring for the most part. And then the fight happened. So if you didn't watch the game or for some reason, maybe you live under a rock and you (laughs) don't know what happened, Jakeem Grant, let me backtrack. Jakeem Grant goes to field the punt and it goes through his arms and Michael Thomas, not Michael Thomas of the Saints, but Michael Thomas of the Bengals decides, I think the smart thing to do is to lower my helmet and hit Jakeem Grant as hard as I can. Well, he did that, got a penalty for it. Uh, Noeg Benogany picked up the ball, ran for about seven yards. We gained 15 yards on the play. Next time they punt, literally the next time that the Bengals punted the football, they punt it up. And this time, Michael Thomas says, you know what? I'm not even going to wait for him to catch the ball. I'm just going to run into him and tackle him as hard as I can running 18 miles an hour. And he completely levels Jakeem Grant before he could even get the ball. The ball's not even close to him. And if I'm Michael Thomas or if I'm the refs, I don't know how Michael Thomas did not get ejected in this game. He might be, it might've been the dumbest special teams. He might be the dumbest special teams player I've ever seen in my life. And I've watched a lot of football. Those two plays back to back by the same player might've been the two dumbest special teams plays I've ever seen in my life. To tackle someone before they can't before they even touch the ball right after you just illegally hit him the pump before that I don't know how he didn't get ejected from the game but nonetheless he didn't so let's get back to the fight so obviously Michael Thomas hits him before he can even get the ball Noah Igbenogany picks the ball up again I feel like Noah was basically our punt returner in this game he picks up the ball runs it for a nice return and then a fight breaks out. And I didn't think there was going to be a fight that broke out. I did not I did not like the hit on Jakeem Graham. But nonetheless, a fight broke out, mainly with uh, Devontae Parker, Matt Collins. They end up getting ejected. Brian Flores got heated in the moment. Looked like he was about to kill someone. Uh, and I love angry Brian Flores. It's like after the game last year when uh, he thought it was a BS call on pass interference on the, for, against the Jets and he looked like he was about to decapitate the ref. I love angry Brian Flores. It just shows his passion and love for the team and the game. But I want to say this before I get into this fight. I in no way condone fighting. I in no way think it's a good part of the game. Selfishly because it takes away from me getting to watch football. Um... Especially in this game, it took them like 15 minutes to figure out who they were going to eject. And I hated that. I was like, I want to watch football. I want to watch the Dolphins on offense. I want to see Tua play. But here's the thing. I understand as an outside spectator, as fans of the game, we could say Devontae Parker, Matt Collins, you guys are stupid for getting angry, throwing punches, there being a fight. But you have to understand, these guys see each other every single day. They're basically family. Devontae Parker and Jaquim Grant are like brothers. I mean, he calls him Unk for a reason. They're very, very close. And Brian Flores, as the coach has said many times, these guys are like my kids. And when you see your best friend, your brother, your kid out there getting hit illegally, and I don't understand if people understand this. When you're a punt returner, you literally do not know who's coming after you. You're looking up at the sky to see if a ball is going to land in your hands the proper way, and hopefully you can return it. And when you see a player out there, who by the way is like 5'9", when you see him defenseless, and a guy two times in a row tries to end his career, before he can... A defenseless, a defensive player, by the way. A defenseless player. Not, you know he has the ball in his hands and he's trying to end his career. He has no chance of defending himself and you destroy him two times in a row. I'm going to get mad too. And I think that if you're a dolphins fan, you should not be upset about the fight. You should hope that it doesn't happen again. Cause it's just not a part of the game we like to see. And it's not something where we want to, we want that to be our reputation. It's not going to be, this is the first time it's ever happened in Brian Flores, career He's not uh, known for having an undisciplined team, but I understand why this happened. And as a coach, as a player, when you see a guy who you know gives a lot of effort, is a good player for you, a good person, and you see him defenseless looking up in the sky and a guy running 18 to 20 miles an hour just decides carelessly to hit him illegally two times in a row, you're going to get mad. And I understand in a perfect world that wouldn't have happened. The fight wouldn't have happened, but it's football. There's emotion. I get mad and I'm not even playing. So if you're a Dolphins fan, you shouldn't be upset at Devante Parker. You shouldn't be mad at Matt Collins. You shouldn't be mad at Brian Flores. You can get upset with Zavian Howard because I thought that fight was pretty stupid. I didn't understand what the point of it even was. Like it wasn't even at a crucial time in the game. Um, It was actually started by... I forget who the wide receiver was. I think it was Tyler Boyd. It was actually started by Tyler Boyd. Xavier Howard was just stupid enough to throw a punch. Even though it wasn't at his head, it was at his shoulder. And then Tyler Boyd threw a punch. I can understand maybe if you're upset with that because it's like, okay, that wasn't even necessary. But you shouldn't be upset as a a fan when you see guys sticking up for each other when that could have very well easily been a play that either ended Jakeem Grant's career... Or made him out for one to two to maybe even the rest of the season. One to two weeks, maybe even the rest of the season. I mean, people don't understand how serious concussions are. They're a serious thing. And imagine standing there defenseless, looking up in the air for a football, and a guy who is built, is, is trying to tackle you as hard as he can, is running at you 18 miles an hour. That's hard. That's hard. And when you see your player out there getting murdered and getting killed play after play illegally, not even legally, illegally, yeah, you're going to get upset. You're going to get upset. Things are going to happen. I don't want fights to happen anymore. I don't want the Dolphins to have this happen because it takes away from the game. And now we're focused on talking about the fight rather than the actual good football game we played. Um, But nonetheless, I understand why it happened. I understand why it happened, and I'm not mad. I'm not that mad at Devontae Parker or Matt Collins. Um, they'll get fined for sure. They'll play next week. I don't think any of the suspensions on Cincinnati's side or our side were egregious enough to warrant you know, a game or two suspension. It'll probably just be a fine on um, you know, Devontae Parker, Matt Collins, and Xavier Howard, and then whatever two players of theirs got ejected. But again, as a Dolphins fan, I can't get upset that they were sticking up for each other after you're watching a guy who you spend every day with who's like a brother to you get hit illegally by a man running 18 miles an hour, two illegal hits in a row. So that's just my thought on it. Uh, Honestly, the biggest thing with the fight, I thought it was pretty stupid. It wasn't even a big fight. Like these guys act like they're out there, you know, beating each other with bats. Like they're just pushing and shoving and then they get ejected. Uh, the only thing about the fight that I hated was that it took like 15 hours to figure out who they were ejecting. Um, I feel like everyone and their brother knew it was Zavian Howard, Matt Collins, and what, I don't even know the guy that they ejected. I thought it was going to be um, Michael Thomas because it was like two plays in a row where he did something illegal and against the rules. So I thought it was going to be him. It ended up not being him. But nonetheless, it took like five hours for that to happen. And that was really the only part about the fight I didn't like. Um, not the actual fight itself. Again, I don't condone it. I hope it doesn't happen again. I understood why it happened, but like the the most annoying part about the fight was that it took away from Dolphins football. We couldn't watch the the team, you know, go down the field and, you know, score points. Now here's the thing I will say. That punt, you could tell, offense or defensively, they were fueled by that because I believe that the Dolphins, the next drive, went down a little, then punted it off. And as soon as the Bengals got the ball back, it was like sack, almost sack, fumble, return for a touchdown, sack, you know, a little pass, sack. We got like four sacks in one drive. So it definitely fueled the defense. And that's what I'm saying. It's going to fuel your team because when you see a guy out there not doing anything wrong, defenseless, get hit two times in a row illegally, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I mean, we get mad as fans We could, you know, punch a referee when he calls a holding on us when we don't agree with it. We could go out there and punch the ref because we're so mad. And yet we expect these players not to get upset when they see some guy trying to end, you know, Jakeem Grant's career two times in a row illegally. And I keep saying legally because it wasn't an actual football play. It wasn't just a good tackle. It was a illegal football play twice in a row. Um, but, but nonetheless, that was the fight. Those are my thoughts on the fight. Brian Flores talked about after the game, I got to hold myself to a higher standard. Uh, we got to hold ourselves to a higher standard as a football team. And I expect that to happen. I don't expect this to be a continuous thing. Um, you know, that the dolphins do. And honestly, in this game, I mean, I don't, I don't expect it to happen again this year because we're going to play good franchises. Uh, the Bengals, I've been, I've been trying to hold my tongue on the Bengals because Zack Taylor is actually my girlfriend's dad's uh, first cousin. It's actually his stepbrother's first cousin or half brother's first cousin. So they're related in a way. So I've always tried to like hold my tongue but like, I mean what do you expect from the Bengals? They're a sad franchise. They're like they're. The, it's a shame that they're in the NFL. They're kind of disgraced to the NFL. They've always been bad. They're. Ne- they've never been good. They have no idea what they're doing with their coach. They have no idea what they're doing leadership-wise. Their owner doesn't want to spend money. They don't have good players, and they've always known for being dirty players. I mean, just remember their Cincinnati game or the the Pittsburgh game in the playoffs. That tells you all you need to know about the Bengals. So I don't expect that to happen. Uh, We are a good football team. We're a disciplined football team. We hold ourselves to high standards. And I don't expect the Chiefs, Patriots, Bills, or Raiders, uh, maybe the Raiders, I don't know. But nonetheless, I don't expect either of those teams, any of those four teams, to do anything illegal to warrant the Dolphins getting mad and trying to stick up for their teammates. I don't see that happening. So I don't think it's something we need to worry about. Um, and I certainly hope it doesn't happen again because it's just not something I like watching, and it's not something that I like talking about. Um, and it, it's actually funny because my girlfriend texted me during the game, and she's been watching Dolphins football all year long because last season she didn't. But she obviously knows it's important to me, so she was like, "I want to start watching and you know learning football and getting involved in the game." So she's awesome for that. Uh, she she always asks questions and stuff, but she sent me a text like right after that happened or I forget when it was, I think it was, I think it was around that time. And she said, why, why is everyone so angry? Like, why is this such a rivalry? They're not even in the same division. And at first I was like, I have no idea. Like, I have no idea why the Bengals who are two, eight and one are like pissed at the dolphins. And then I was like, Oh, last year they almost beat us and lost in overtime in the final second. So this was their revenge game. So I kind of understand that, but also at the same time, I don't because like you're a bad franchise, you're not going anywhere, at least in the next two years, and you're trying to like fight everyone because of it. Maybe they're just mad that they're on the Bengals, so that's why they're fighting people. I don't know. There was just a lot of tension in this game, and I didn't understand where it was coming from or why it was there, but nonetheless, it was there and it was very apparent. So that's my overall uh, thought or thoughts on the game. Uh Dolphins move to eight and four. We're most likely gonna have the number one scoring defense after this week. And offensively, I think they learned a lot this game of hey, let's let's run the football, let's be balanced, but let's not be afraid to let two or throw the fall or throw the football and have, you know, some opportunities to make plays happen through with his arm. So I think they learned a lot in this game. I sure did as a Dolphins fan. I know that moving forward, I, I'm learning about what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are. I'm seeing this team develop. And a win is a win. And while we may have wanted it to be like 40 to 0, I predicted it to be 23 to 30, 24 to 13 if Tua played. So that would have had them winning by 11 points. We ended up winning by 12 points. So... Really, we just need to get better in the red zone and we need to just not commit as many penalties and be more disciplined. I think all of that will happen, um, but certainly the red zone scares me against a team like Kansas City. We definitely got to score in the red zone. So those are my thoughts on the game. Hope you all enjoyed watching the game. It wasn't really too, too exciting, but it's always good to watch Tua play. Uh, It's always good, more importantly, to watch this team play and win. But nonetheless, to see Tua out there again, throwing it, didn't get hit in this game. I don't think we gave up any sacks. Uh, He looked healthy. He's obviously just going to get better and better as his thumb heals up, as he gets more involved in this offense. And I'm just excited for the future, man. Excited for the future. 8-4, and first time since 2003 things are looking up for the Miami Dolphins I will see you guys on Wednesday we'll talk about things going on around the NFL and hopefully I have some more news to share with you guys about Dolphins injuries um, updates on stuff like that but nonetheless have a great day today Um, stay safe stay healthy and I'll see you guys on Wednesday fins up